T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Selena Gomez sang it. The Red Sox lived it these last couple days. That's more like it. Make my dinner and bring it to me. Red Sox 7, Tigers 3 at Fenway Thursday night. And yes, it is finally starting to feel like the sludge is out of the system. Porcello, definitely. Mookie, definitely. Michael Chavis, welcome aboard, young fella. And we offer you the very same salutation. Welcome to Sox Daily. It begins with this snappy little jingle coming your way right now. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. Oh, it's your Daily Sox Podcast. And here's your host, Josh Lewis. One year after going 38-17 and 17 in blowouts, as games decided by at least five runs, well, the Red Sox are now 1-5. The one win was Wednesday night. Thursday, not officially a blowout, but it was comfortable. It's like a fat man settling into a hammock. Back within five and a half of first now, and it's like that brutal doubleheader sweep on Tuesday never happened. Josh Lewin with you. Thank you very much for being here. We're going to hear from Alex Cora. We're going to hear from Michael Chavis. But first, coming into this one, uh, it just felt like a corner was being turned, didn't it? That 2-8 and eight start has kind of evaporated a bit from our memories now. They're 9-7 and seven since then to get to 11-15, and 15, getting ready now for Tampa Bay and Oakland to come on in. Here's what we said before the game at Fenway Thursday night. We said in their first 13 games of the season, Red Sox starters were 0-8, ERA of 8.8, but now we're looking at an ERA now somewhere around three and a third instead of 8.8. Strikeouts are getting piled up. Starting pitchers are starting to keep it in the yard, too. There was a glancing blow uh, right in and around the pesky pole by a Detroit hitter in this one tonight, but uh, no big whoop. 18 runs, meantime, from the batting order, the once snoozy batting order the last two games. So, yeah, you're feeling like things are starting to pick up. And Rick Porcello, win number one of 2019. Of course, the wise guys all wondered, what, did, like, Zhu Wei Lin teach Porcello a new grip for his sinker? No, that wasn't it. That's just uh, Eddie Rodriguez learning new grips from Dustin Pedroia. That's all that was. It's, it's not an every-night thing. Uh, the beard being shaved for Porcello, did that make him more follically complete? That's a possibility, I guess. But remember, last time out, Porcello pitched pretty well. He reached the sixth inning, allowed two runs, best we had seen so far, walked only one. And his importance to the team is sometimes lost, I think, in the the avalanche of publicity for sale and price. And they're both going to pitch this weekend, by the way. But this is a guy who's now 30 years old, Porcello, 11 years, and needing to reinvent some things. So the launch angle craze is turning low ball hitters into home run hitters. So pitching up in the zone is a must now. It has turned sinker ballers like Porcello into what would have been an endangered species. So kudos to Rick. He's kind of reinvented himself. He has remade himself from a Derek Lowe type 
into someone who attacks the upper part of the zone with a four-seamer, and that went very well for him in the game on Thursday night. Six innings, six hits, three runs, two walks, five strikeouts, not Cy Young, but not Cy Sperling, president of a Hair Club for Men, if you don't remember those commercials. ERA still on the sevens, whip is still on the twos, but win number one, and maybe the kick in the butt he needed to get things back on track. You know, you're going to have to sometimes slam your shoulder into a vending machine to dislodge that three musketeers or the Skittles. That's what this game felt like for Porcello, I think. He dislodged that $1.75 piece of candy. The Sox uh, actually trailed this game at 3-2 in the third after they had yanked what seemed like about a half a dozen potential home runs just fouled down the left field line off Jordan Zimmerman. But finally, they straightened some things out. A lot of doubles in this game. They ended up scoring three runs in the third to grab the lead back. They tacked on one in the fourth, one in the sixth. And again, the bullpen was great. Hembry, Brewer, Brazier this time. It was three innings, one hit. Only 39 pitches to get through those three innings as the Tigers fall back to 500. They're now 12 up, 12 down. Let's take you through the lineup here. First of all, let's talk Chavis. And we'll hear from him in just a moment. But he had a home run. I think he's going to wear that monster out here. Gave the Red Sox a 2-0 lead initially with that two-run homer in the second. So that's two home runs now in his first six games. And the sixth Red Sox hitter in the last 50 seasons to do that. He joins Devers, Will Middlebrooks, Mo Vaughn. Sam Horn did it quite famously in 1987. Bill Selby did it in 1996. Remember Bill Selby? He played, uh, he was very good for Pawtucket. And um, this was kind of weird. If you don't know this story, he was playing for Pawtucket in Columbus. He was introduced to these three Ohio State students and, and Cleveland Indians fans. They became very vocal. And a couple days later, Selby gets called up to the Red Sox. They happen to be playing in Cleveland. He had a base hit that night against Jose Mesa, who back then was a very good closer. So those three kids, those three fans from the Ohio State University, had made up this big cardboard sign that said, Selby is God kind of an homage to the Bernie is God sign that had honored Bernie Kosar for all those years in Cleveland. Selby is God got a lot of uh, attention. Uh, Selby hit a grand slam off Mariano Rivera not too long after that. The sign showed up on television and in the local newspapers. So if you don't remember Bill Selby for anything else, that's probably something you can pin your hat on. Uh, he also, uh, if you happen to be an Indians fan listening to this, Selby's the guy who nicknamed Travis Hafner Pronk. That's uh, when Texas had come to town to play Cleveland, and Lee Stevens, the story goes, is on the bench saying, this guy's unbelievable. He's a real project, this big donkey. And Selby got to know Hafner, said, we can't be calling you the, the project and the donkey. So they started going with Pronky, and they made that El Pronco. Then that got down to the Pronk, and then finally just Pronk. So... If you remember Travis Hafner, who looked like Shrek, uh, Pronk is what they called him, and that was all Bill Selby's fault. I, I've gotten way off track here. You guys want to hear from Michael Chavis? I thought you might, because between the Paw Sox and the Red Sox now, that is six homers in 18 games this year, five in his last 11. He talked to the guys in the booth after the game. Michael, congratulations. You had to know that one was gone. It was a bullet, huh? Yeah, I got a, I got a hold of that one pretty well. So uh, pretty big moment for me, honestly. I enjoy all my home runs. <laughs> 
Hey, Michael, is your mom still here? We had great shots of her the other night in the first Major League home run in the uh, doubleheader against the Tigers. Was she here for this one? Unfortunately, she wasn't, but uh, I know she was definitely watching or at least listening on the radio. So uh, I'm sure she was cheering me on from home just as loud as she was here. Well, that's great. You know, you've come up. You had so many big hits uh, already. Helped the Red Sox win uh, three games uh, with your double and then the home runs. Also another game with a big walk. Uh, you seem to fit right in. You feel like you're uh, really comfortable now? Um, I'm definitely getting more comfortable. Honestly, the uh, whole approach I took to this spring training, being in big league camp, I just wanted to get comfortable, get to know the guys, and kind of become one of the guys in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? It's uh, such a tight-knit group, and you can see that how they play and how they go about their business, that everybody's pretty close and they actually care about each other. So I just wanted to become part of that. And um, I think that has to do a lot with how I've kind of fallen into place here. Um, there's obviously still a lot of work to do, and – there's no doubt that I'm going to I'm going to stick to it, but uh, I'm beyond blessed and thankful to be here. Hey, Michael, we know you you're pretty comfortable right now at home plate. How about defensively? You really haven't been tested a whole lot, but how are you feeling defensively up here? And, and secondly, uh, did you get any pointers in spring training from a guy like Dustin Pedroia who might have helped you out? I'm getting more comfortable every single day. Um, obviously, I haven't played much second base and uh, especially played def- a lot of defense or anything in the big leagues. So uh, I'm I'm out there working every single day trying to prepare for the game and according to where I'm playing, whether it's third, second, or anywhere. So I'm just preparing for the day and uh, trying to get better. It's as simple as that. Like, I wish I had more, but at this point where I'm at, uh, boring is better. You know, I'm just trying to stay consistent and approach every single day the same. Um, Working with Dustin in spring training, um, I think everybody knows how much I look up to him, and uh, he's my favorite player growing up like that. Um, So talking to him in spring training just about playing second base, and then honestly the biggest part was watching how he went about it in practice before the game and everything like that, just seeing him move around, how he talked to people, and how he actually wanted to help everybody out. Even though uh, he was working through his knee and everything like that, it was just great to see that. So you were a Pedroia fan in Braves country, huh? I sure was. I mean, I think a lot of people were. He's uh, he's unbelievable. And, uh, Mike, you brought uh, some real energy to this team. I know you're uh, respectful in the clubhouse, but uh, you're an effervescent personality, and that seems to have had a, a good effect, a positive well, uh, that's how Mama raised me. I mean, you saw her the other night. She's uh, pretty energetic herself. So uh, I guess I got it from her, but um, I'm just trying to be myself, honestly. And uh, if that's what's helping out, then so be it. But uh, I'm just happy to be here. You know, Michael, we, we saw your mom in the first home run. You talk about her being energetic. Boy, she had that blanket on. It was so cold. But as soon as that ball lifted over the green monster, she just fired that blanket away. She was, <laughs> she was pretty pumped up about it. I just want to ask you one more quick question about your uh, – your time in the minor leagues and how that is different now here at the major league level, what is the difference in step up in competition? Has it been uh, any kind of a challenge for you in learning, uh, obviously, the league? But what is the big difference right now between AAA and AA in the big leagues? I mean, I'd be lying if I said it, it, uh, it was easy. But um, I think a lot of it is similar in the way that you prepare for the game and you just do everything you can before the game so that you're ready. And then at game time, you, you can't really work on things at that point. You just have to be go out there and play. You can't be timid or tight or anything like that so you just gotta for me I gotta go out there and have fun so in regards to the preparation that stays the same but um I'm still learning the game I'm still learning the game of baseball in general but also at the major league level and uh luckily we got so many veteran and talented people within this clubhouse that uh getting to watch them and see them every single day that uh, I think that's going to help me a lot and you look like you're made for Fenway Park as a hitter potentially I mean I think it's going to play pretty decent we'll see how it turns out though all right, Michael, congratulations. <laughs> Enjoy it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great kid. A lot of fun to follow the progress of Chavis. Religious guy, doesn't hide from that kind of Tim Tebow light. 
Got no problem with that. Uh, go ahead. You do you, buddy. And uh, very quickly becoming a fan favorite and a team favorite brings a lot of spry optimism and, and youthful bounce. If I can combine a bunch of words, then it's some nonsense there. I was with the Mets, as some of you know. Brandon Nimmo, same kind of guy. Just, you know, all gosh and golly, just happy to be here. It, it works. Some other uh, notes in this game. Other guys doing some things. Rafael Devers, couple of hits, including a double. Actually gave the Sox a 5-3 lead with a two-out, two-run double off the Green Monster in the third. He's hit safely in seven of eight now. Mookie Betts is rolling. Two for four in this game, a couple of doubles. He's now been on base 17 of his last 32 trips to the plate. And no worries about Mookie now at all. Andrew Benintendi coming on. He had two doubles in this game. He has reached base in 17 of 18. He's hitting 348 in that time. He's also been on base every single game he's ever played against the Tigers, 20 for 20 so far. Xander Bogart's had a hit, scored a couple of runs. He's got a modest little hitting streak of five right now. He's reached base in 11 straight, 21 out of 22. J.D. Martinez has hit safely in 24 out of 26. And that is really, really impressive. He ended up one for four in this game. He's up to 13 runs batted in. Even Sandy Leon got a hit. He had a double in the sixth inning, his very first hit of the year. And Jackie Bradley Jr., I know it's small progress, but he's, he's making some adjustments. He's adjusting the adjustment, basically. Uh, the, the big overhaul that he did in the offseason that actually started during the season last year, uh, he's kind of scaling back on it a little bit. It's a little bit of mechanics, a little bit of approach. Those things are both getting better right now. He's been swinging and missing at 18% of all pitches that he's seen. That's uh, the fourth highest rate in the big leagues, but he's eliminating that toe-tap timing mechanism, trying to get a more direct stride to get his foot down earlier, so it's fewer moving parts right now. Very small sample, because it's really just the last three days, but it seems to be taking right now, and that's obviously very good news, because Jackie Bradley should not be hitting something like 140. 7-3 the final, that's the very good news, and Alex Cora meeting with the media after the game. Here he is. Uh, Give us a chance. Um, One bat in, and I think he hung... A breaking ball and then you know the home run happens here but you know we're playing here but besides that in control um did a good job gave us six um and then you can see he's building up he's getting there you know the fastball usage was good control was good so you know, that's that's what we need from them you know just give us a chance to Get the bats going and, and score some runs and, and get to the bullpen. Previously, your Rick's first three starts, it seems like maybe something like the third inning it would have gotten away there. How the last two been different where he's been able to? I think fastball usage um, is, is something that, you know, mechanic-wise and all that stuff, you know, whatever, they, they, they work out. But I think the, the fastball you can see, Going to certain spots and use it in certain situations, it's, it's actually helping him out, you know, in and out, up, up. And then, you know, his slider was was good today. And uh, it's, with him, it's, it's every day he can he can go to so many pitches, you know, curveball, slider, cutter, sinker, four-seamer, change-up. So that's always good. And, and, you know, if one is not working, it seems like the curveball today wasn't great, but then he went to slider and... And he went to the fastball, so that's that's what he can do. So you know, that's back-to-back starts by him. Uh, pretty solid, and uh, you know, so just keep keep building up, keep getting better. One of the most uh, complete offensive nights. Um, we've been 
been saying it online, man, since, since Tampa, it's, it's, the line is moving. We, we, it's a lot of traffic out there. We're hitting the ball hard. Um, you, know, I, you know, I don't get too much into exit velocity or whatever, but yesterday I think we hit like 13 balls over 95. Today we did the same thing. Um, you know, it's just it's going on. People are getting on base, and we, we and that's what we envision. You know, those two guys on top of the lineup. So what they did today. So um, they keep doing that. They can hit extra base hits and and, and just keep putting pressure on people. And then the other guys are going to benefit. So it is cool to see Benny and Mookie. Making me look bad. I'm good. I'm sorry. Not bad. But uh, that that's the plan, you know. And then there's gonna be traffic for Mookie. There's gonna be traffic for for Mitch and <clears throat> and so on and so on. And, and we know we are a good offensive t- club. We we know it. And uh, just a matter of keep controlling the strike zone and and, and putting good swings and pitches in the zone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's only the second time he's. He's got on base, leading off, uh, I mean, in the first inning. But yesterday he put a good at bat against Ross. He struck out. Today he kept, you know, following off pitches. Uh, pitches. He was upset because he got some pitches that could hit, but just followed it off and, and being able to, to get to first. And that's that's what we're looking for. I mean, both guys, regardless, you know, if it's Mookie leading off or Benny leading off, they can put pressure on it. They, 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 people know that with one swing right away they can – it can be one nothing us, or it's man at second with no outs right away. So um, he, he's doing a good job. You, you can see him, you know, getting on base. I think he's probably over three, three seventy five, three eighty, and I do feel that he can be a, a four hundred on base percentage guy. I, I, I know he can do it. So just keep challenging him and, and and tell him to you know set the table for this team, and he's up to the challenge. Um, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see how uh, the rain goes. We'll go from there. All right. Thank you, Skipper. And now we preview what's next. The Rays and the A's are coming in. Uh, Tampa Bay not supposed to be in first place. We all know that because they've never ranked higher than 20th in payroll in the last dozen years. They opened with $176 million less on the books than the Red Sox this season. I mean, there are underdogs, and then there are these guys every year. But they, they do some inventive things. They find a way. They're in first place right now. Oakland comes in after that. Ramon Laureano, uh, rookie of the year kind of stuff right now. Chris Davis signed the contract extension. He's still mashing home runs. Pitching was the big question for the A's initially. And Brett Anderson's been okay. Blake Trinan obviously has been fine. Uh, they've lost all of Marco Estrada's starts. That's not good. Uh, he and Mike Fires have combined to allow 42 runs in 48 innings. And the bullpen beyond Trinan has been a bit of a mess. But Oakland... We saw it up close. They took three out of four out there at their place earlier this month. So that will be certainly a series to watch. Chris Sale is going to go. David Price is going to go as part of the weekend series against Tampa Bay. Sale struck out 10 last time out. That was uh, 14 swings and misses in there, too. Best marks of the season. Tigers did foul off 24 of his pitches, though. That ran up his pitch count in a hurry. His fastball velocity uh, dropped pretty quickly, too. It was down to 927 on average, it had been up around 95 and a half against the Yankees the year before, but, or the uh, the game before. The bottom line is that the Sox still haven't won a game that Sale has started this year. They're 0-5, and he's given them only 23 innings now in those five starts. He knows he's got to be better than that, and he'll have that chance on Sunday. David Price is going to go Saturday 
And he actually is coming off a double-digit strikeout effort in only five innings. First time he'd ever done that in his very distinguished Major League career. Eight of those strikeouts were swinging. Five of them came on the two-seam fastball. And that was against Tampa Bay. And he'll get them again this weekend. Tampa Bay is going to start Charlie Morton Friday. Tyler Glass now Saturday. He was so impressive last time out. Coming over from Pittsburgh, of course, a six foot eight inch giant who grew literally 11 inches in three years back in high school. And this breakout is real. He's 4-0. He leads the American League in ERA, 1.5. Doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. He's commanded the strike zone in every start. At that at 7.5-foot range to home plate makes that 97 miles an hour look even faster somehow. Talent has always been there, but seems like everything's finally just kind of coming together for him. And the Red Sox hitting their stride. That'll be an interesting matchup on Saturday. We will come back and review everything that happened over the weekend on the next podcast. I'll launch it Sunday night. But Tampa Bay is going to be a problem. They're number one in the majors in ERA. Boston is 28th. Tampa Bay is fifth in batting average. The Sox only 21st. A lot of reasons Tampa Bay is five and a half ahead right now. But it's only five and a half. And if all goes well, by the time we do that uh, weekend recap podcast, maybe it's, I don't know, down to two and a half. One last thing before we say goodbye, uh, big congratulations to Portland. The Sea Dogs got a combined no-hitter Thursday night. Kyle Hart, Daniel McGrath, Adam Lau for the fight in Joe Olivers. There are other Portland Sea Dogs no-hitters, and you've heard of some of these pitchers. Back in 99, Brad Penny went six innings. Luis Arroyo finished up. At Binghamton in 01, Josh Beckett went the first seven, and then a couple of guys after that. Henry Owens got credit for one in 2014, but it was just a six-inning job. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd count that one, but it it sticks to the tape. Then the one at Binghamton again. It's two of the four all-time no-hitters in Portland history have been at Binghamton. They got the Rumble Ponies Thursday night. Congratulations to Hart, McGrath, and Lau. And congratulations to you. You found Sox Daily. Don't you feel nice? Tell your friends, tell everybody that we do this five times a week. We'd love to have you back. Feel free to subscribe. And it's very nice to have you part of this program. I'm Josh Lewin. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.